is because it's so simple, um, everyone has sort of developed their own inflection and their own style, and they sort of take that simple structure and, and make it their own in a lot of different ways. So, um, so yeah, we will hear a lot of different styles of play, and of course, the rhythm section or the accompaniment is also um, yeah a major factor in the interpretation of it. Yeah, exactly. So it's pretty rare these days for anyone on a on a straight piping album to just use a set of jigs and put them in that one bag of guitar or piano music. Definitely, definitely. Well, so this is your, um, so Vin, this is your uh, Fred Morrison this track, is right? Fred Morrison from Broken Channel. Uh, three straight, you know, just to give you some idea. Yeah, if you get a chance while it's playing, Vin, uh, upload the uh, the link so people can uh, see a link to the CD. But otherwise, let's have a listen, see what we got.
Cool. So uh, we're getting technologically advanced here, and I uh, was able to indicate that Fred Morrison was just playing that interesting set of jigs there. So uh, that's pretty cool. It's very interesting. I mean, um, I uh, his his technical quality is very interesting. I was commenting to Carl. Um, he has a very large grace note size in in that in that style, which is kind of interesting. I mean, it's good. It's consistent. But it's it gives a very sort of thick, mellow sound to his playing that you yeah, that it's really different than say like like Angus McCall or something yeah. who really fires him in like bullets. It tends to soften the uh, just the embellishments in general, which just sort of like you just sort of roll from this point on. You just sort of yeah. everything's just sort of rhythmic and just I don't know. It doesn't you don't have that sort of same uh, that classic hyper crisp technique you know. It's just more just you're artificially embellishing. You know the music, right? Definitely, and it's interesting. And then when he does fire in an embellishment, it has that contrast, doesn't it? Which is kind of interesting. Um, you know, so rather than having a, a really crispy grace note all the time, it's like. So I guess my question would be, um, is that a conscious choice that he's making as a performer? And my hunch would be, yes, it is. So he's he's varying he's varying the sizes of grace notes or the softness. He's varying the level of softness in order to produce a certain effect, which I think that he does. Uh, yeah, and, 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 yeah. And, and he almost, <laughs> and if you've ever looked at any of Fred Morrison's music, I think you would have to if you want to play any of that stuff. You know, <laughs> it's like, uh, there's no way you're going to be like, uh, you know, trying to get a crispy technique going on and still maintain the, the, the flow of the music that you're writing. But, um, yeah, I mean, and I've, I've definitely, heard you, you know, there's on his CDs, you'll definitely hear him play composition style music, you know, and occasionally blue rock and he's definitely you know playing that classic technique too so he's uh, switching it up a little bit he's definitely working with it excellent cool um yeah so that's uh, pretty interesting let me see if uh gets viewers, it gets viewer six as fred is playing in the metro cup this year that is a rumor i have not heard where did you hear that rumor it gets viewer six Identify yourself. Identify <laughs> Really? I haven't been in touch with Eric. I usually do the program for the Metro Cup, too, so I get all the, the nitty-gritty from everybody else that doesn't watch it. But um, Wow. That's cool. <laughs> we'll see if that happens, though. Like, a lot of times these guys, you know, they, 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 they talk about coming, coming, and then something happens. But I don't know. And asked to play instead. <laughs> Nice, I like that. <laughs> cool. Well, he he went he played at the uh, I want to say northern meeting. No, Melbourne. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I know so little about Fred Morrison. I wish I knew more. Um, but I I have a feeling that he's won a gold medal at least. Oh, he's won both. I think he's won both. bowed out of competition relatively early, so he wasn't really a, a feature on the scene. Um, and then started coming out with albums and things, I guess. And, you know, it sort of blown open when the Scottish Metro was completely fragmented. It sort of made it possible for other, other young guys to come onto the scene. And then he exploded from there. Yeah, I'm just looking at his website reel here. It, it, it doesn't highlight his... Uh his um, competitive successes, so I still don't know any more than I do. Um, okay, let's see what else, what other sort of, uh... no, we don't want the American inventor and entrepreneur. <laughs> um, but, you know, you, I think it's a good, he's a, he's a good player to listen to, and he's, he, he's heavily into the folk scene, you know, heavily, heavily into the traditional, traditional music scene. Playing reflects that. You hear him bringing in a lot of that kind of accordion pipe styles, blue rock accordion, fragment. I, I don't know. You know, and you sort of contrast that with somebody like Neil Duncan, who's sort of not a player of traditional rock or something like that, but who are heavily into the competition pipe and Well, um, I think if 
my own personal oop, including the gold medals at the world's premier piping competitions. He's taken uh, the McAllen trophy as well. I know I am. So uh, that's so according to Wikipedia. So take it with a grain of salt. But uh, I, I think it's pretty accurate. I think he he often play. He, I don't think he's played late recently, but he often plays in in Lorient and does pretty well. They have they, they have those competitions where you play a Scottish set, an Irish set, and a Breton set. Okay, um, let's let's uh, play the next one. Gordon Walker from Dan Reed. Now, technically, this does start with a hornpipe, but um, I thought we could listen to a few jigs in the sort of competing style here. Um, and so I have a, I had a recording from the Dan Reed, and if I I can look it up here, I can tell you what year it was. I think maybe I can. Gordon Walker. Yes, uh, the year 2000, so from quite a while ago. But um, he, he's going to play Dr. McGinnis' Fancy and The Duck, so let's have a listen to this. There you go. So that's Gordon Walker from the year 2000. At the, I think it's a Dan Reed, um, and I think this was a subset of the overall Dan Reed competition there. Um, has anybody out there ever been to the Dan Reed? I'm not sure they still do it. Um, I could be wrong, of course. Was that, it was canceled last year, I think, wasn't it? I think they, um, I think it was first year they didn't have it. Then I still think you should probably turn up your mic a, a hair more because it's still really quiet relative to the music. But, um, <clears throat> but anyway, so that that's a little bit of the flavor of a solo jig. Although um, I get the feeling this was a little bit more of a of an informal contest because he he definitely took some risks there with his um, with his playing a, a few yeah, sort well, of. Well, Dan Reed does a recital, don't they? Do a, a, a player's recital at some point as well. Yeah. So um, you certainly can't go wrong with a with a jig from by Donald McLeod, that's for sure. Uh, he's written some of the best jigs that 
Lakers will ever play. Yeah. In my opinion. It's definitely true. It's interesting. I mean, the duck is so simple, but he made it so exciting. You know? Yeah, yeah. And so, very, um, like, I would never, I would, at least up until now, I never really considered the duck as, like, a, a competitive option. I, I don't feel like there's enough stuff in it. But yeah. um, he clearly proved that theory wrong because it was really right. cool. Song <laughs> um, again, there were some yeah. variations in the duck that he put in himself. So. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. He does kinda, that. Kinda. He still does that to this day. <laughs> I don't think you've ever heard – if you've heard Gordon Walker play, I don't think you've ever heard him play the same tune the same way twice, you know. Always something going on, like something different. You say, "Oh yeah, he's gonna play that tune again." I've heard him play that, and it's completely different. You're like, "Oh." <laughs> there is a there is a story about the duck that is emerging on the chat here, from guest viewer five. There's a story told by Wee Donald talks about the duck telling a story. First part, he was walking along the bog. Part two, a car is coming. Part three, the duck gets hit by the car. Fourth part, car dives away. Drives. Hmm, interesting. Okay. There's a lot of interesting. There's a lot of interesting bird-related. Pipe tunes. Yeah. I mean, the desperate battle is definitely tells a story about birds too. So, um, I am. Not surprised that a, a bird managed to inspire yet another famous tune. Well, Donald McLeod fl- from Florida isn't that a isn't a flat a bird isn't that a beach bird of some kind? Or I think we're realizing a pattern. Isn't it about a guy or something? I don't know. Forget. That's very intense. Thank you, Guest Beer Five. Who who are you, Guest Beer Five? <laughs> is this a reliable source, or is this like the the, the Wikipedia rep? Well, I don't know. Donald McLeod is been known to find uh, inspiration from even more mundane things such as that, so, you know. Ah, Mr. Fawning, excellent. <laughs> yes, so very duck-related. And um, rather than, uh, let's see, we got a few more people typing here. So, um, yeah, Rick is commenting on how deep indeed that story is. It makes you really reflect, doesn't it? Um, very heavy duty. So, um, well, then, what else? What's what's next on your list, by the way? Uh, I have a, I have a Gordon Gordon Duncan track, Thunderstruck. I'm ready. A bunch of uh, bunch of his jakes. Uh, as I can hear. And, oh, cool. You know, and and you know, and, and most a lot of a lot of Gordon Duncan's tracks are either straight piping or with minimal accompaniment. So that's just that's the way he's, his presentation is just so it's it is what it is and it doesn't need to be more I guess <laughs> something like that. Well, I'm ready for it. Drums. And then Phil says, Part Five: The SPCA chases down the car and shoots the driver for animal cruelty. Right, and then. Donald McLeod wrote a tune. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I haven't heard the fifth part, Phil, so I, I look forward to hearing it. I think. Although uh, my opinion of Roadkill has now changed entirely as a result of today's show. <laughs> um, All right. So let's hear some. Let's hear some Gordon Duncan here.
that um, that is cool, man. It's cool. The 98 jig is really awesome. I really like that too. It's interesting. I mean, for those of you those of you in Doge, are you uh, thinking about the tonal quality aspect of um, producing a good instrument? What's very interesting is, can everybody hear, especially at the end, the slight gurgle he's getting from the low G. Which is like, can you hear that? The, the G grace on low G is actually slightly gurgling a little bit. And um, it's very interesting, which um, for me, that's the test that I use to see, to make sure I'm sort of at the sweet spot. And sure enough, Gordon Duncan is riding that spot you know, totally. So he's he's blowing the full degree through the instrument, and that's where he's getting that really. Um, it's it's weird. It's not like a. Um, um, you know. It's, well, I think it's, he's uh, also been known to play. He was also known to play a fairly easy reed too, which I think yeah. playing that kind of stuff you really have to. But yeah, but, but he's, it's sort he's of riding it. it. Yeah, he's keeping it right, nice and stable, and it's just riding along. You know. And it's got that nice full sort of. It's got a nice full rich sort of sound that he's always that he's always had. Uh, his drones are always subdued in his recordings. Have you yeah. found that? Yeah. Like they're very, they're sort of the volume of them is turned down a little bit or something. But if anything, it's to feature the finger work, which is just absolute insanity. <laughs> and, it, it, and, and by that I mean really awesome. Yeah, he breaks the roof, rule number one, which he didn't play seven jigs, but the ninety-eight jig has got like I think you know nine parts or something like that. I think so. That qualifies, yeah. I guess. Is that Mark Dubois I see out there? Checking it out. You can come on the mic, Mark. You're like, you know, you should you should contribute to this conversation. What do you think about jigs? I'm all in favor of them, personally. You are. I should probably put some headphones on too. Hold on. News Mark flash. is in agreement with the, with liking jigs. Mark is in favor of jigs. This is you heard it here first, folks. Yeah, all those, all those in favor of jigs, say aye. Say aye. Aye. Excellent. Well, um, that's that's interesting. I'm really glad. Mark, do you have any jigs you want to play today? Uh, any MP3s? Uh, maybe in a few minutes. I'm just uploading my class from last night, as I should have done last night. Yeah. I couldn't help but notice that it wasn't yet uploaded, but I, I decided you probably had other things going on. So. I noticed I didn't get the uh, the reminder email, so I appreciate that, buddy. You're welcome. Anytime. So um, so there's some Gordon Duncan there. I um, I have uh, – what I will play next is what I believe to be um, some jigs from a Field Marshal CD. Uh, which CD it is – we will have to find out, but I think it's from their unplugged concert. It might actually be from Recharged. I need to. Um, I'll be able to tell you that in a moment. Just and, and you know, referencing our, our jig rule number one, I, I think you know you play a lot of jigs because they're over so fast, right? I mean, most of them are they're two parters or four parters. You, you, it's about a minute worth of playing, <laughs> maybe. And uh, you know, if you want to you want to entertain, you got to play a lot more than that, right? Indeed. So um, I. I one of the things I wanted to bring Field Marshal into this, I remember had a really cool conversation with Reed Maxwell when I was younger. Uh, you know, I was in SFU, but it was maybe 18 or 19, and just sort of discussing Field Marshal and you know that they're a great band and obviously one of our top top competition. Uh, you know, when when we were in SFU, obviously Field Marshal is one of the top bands, and Reed was commenting on their jig style as being it's a little bit of an enigma, but man, they play good jigs. And um, we couldn't quite put our finger on what made it so good, but uh, it really was. And so this track should give us a little bit of a flavor of that. So um, so let's let's give this one a whirl. I uh, I may have been lying. That does not sound like Field Marshal, does it? Um, Let's listen to this, and then later we may listen to Field Marshal.
Good. So that was actually Angus McCall, I'm realizing now at this point. But um, that wasn't so bad. I'm joking, of course. It was pretty intensely good. Um, those, I don't know where those guys find the time to mess around like that. You know, like you know, between the competitive schedule that these guys keep and the material they have to keep at top level, you know, to play at them. I mean, I don't know where they find the time to like mess around with just a bunch of jigs like this. Boggles my mind sometimes. And you, you know, we you know, guys like Stuart Lavelle, little, they get up and they'll just play tunes, and they get and it just, you know, it'll go on for you know six minutes, just jigs or reels or something like that. And it's like I don't know where they find the, where they find the time to do that stuff. You mean to practice it? Or yeah, even just to, to learn it. You know, even learn these tunes or just play them at all. Like, you know, you have to wonder, like, is this the, like maybe the third time they've played that those tunes together, you know, like ever, you know, and they're just having fun or something, you know? Yeah, I know in the case of Angus, um, at least probably at the time he was recording this, Angus was playing a lot, um, a lot of live shows. And so I, I think, you know, it's just like, I think those tunes are stage tested and, and he was playing a lot of stuff, you know, and, uh, yeah, Alan says good therapy. Yeah, that's, that's probably true. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Better than going to the pub, I guess. And golf. Yeah. Definitely liked how, definitely liked how he mixed the little jigs with the bigger jigs and so on and so forth. And, um, there's just a lot of inflection. There's a lot of sort of personal touch in there compositionally right like some of the notes that he was playing he sort of uh made up on his own and then um uh and then just generally the sort of style and the feel is so it's like i listen to it and it's like within a few bars it's got to be angus because it's just so um iconic right. yeah um, it's too bad they're different generations it would have been fun to like you know have angus and donald mcleod play jigs back and forth yeah that would have been cool right because it's just such a well and it's and it's funny because you know a lot of these you know you have some recordings of people like donald mcleod playing and those guys were so heavily into the competition scene you know that the competition scene was where the playing was happening and i'm not sure they had the same kind of opportunities that people like angus have to play in public you know and just play for a, an appreciative crowd you know i'm sure they yeah. had their chances but it wasn't the same way where you could develop that style and develop that that approach that sort of suits you as a player, you know. Um, but, I'm, but I'm sure they, they were good in their way, too, no doubt. Definitely. Well, I've located those Field Marshall Montgomery jigs. Let's, um, let's check some of those out. This is from the um, Unplugged album.
Yeah, it's um, it's very simple. The approach is not um, complicated there, but it's so um, not apologetic, and the way they play it is just very, very effective. I think. Yeah, they got nice. They shape those jigs very nicely, right? They almost have corners. The way they play them, it's not like sort of this even flow that goes through the tunes. There's this very distinct shape to the you know to the tunes in each part, and I think maybe a just the way they how they get it is so good as a band, you know. Yes, absolutely. And the sound is um, the sound is just immaculate. Um, it's <laughs> sort of frighteningly good. I mean, I think there's probably 16 or 17 guys, pipers playing there, and um, it's very tough to tell that there's that many. Um, so, <clears throat> so that's good. So, what have we learned today? You know, that's the big. I think that's the big question. What's the moral of the story with jigs? Story. <laughs> Where are we telling the story? <laughs> Where are we, we telling the story? Whether you knew it, there's a heavy-duty moral to this story, and I think it is that you shouldn't think too much about jigs. You should just really enjoy them. I think if any, yeah. if anything I'm going to take away from this, that's what it's going to be. Yeah. You know, jigs make you happy. I mean, it's not it's hard not to have a smile on your face after you hear a set of pipe jigs, right? I think you're Band. definitely right about that. Indeed. Um, <clears throat> anyone else, you know, any takeaways? Yep, guess for your fives, got a smile. That's good. Hopefully other people are smiling. Um, you know, when you play jigs, the whole world plays jigs with you. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Um, I said we're gonna have a mass jigathon where everyone plays jigs at the same time, and we're gonna bring happiness to the world. Yes, people will be happier for listening to these jigs. Well, I have one more jig track that I definitely want to play, which I think could be great exit music for a successful uh, a successful show um, containing um, you know jigs without too much uh, fuss. You know, jigs without the fuss. I think that should be the title of this show. As a matter of fact, um, it it will be that. Jigs without the fuss. So yes. um, I think it's going to be good. Um, are there any final thoughts from our studio audience? I see a few people typing. Steve says, the best thing is being in a Kaylee and then, yeah, doing tag teams with other pipers cool. to add jig each other. Exactly. I think um, you're totally right about that. Um, nothing like when you get a bunch yeah. of hot hands in the room playing jigs. Well, that, you sure. know, as pipers, I mean, it's, I think it's key. You have to have, you know, jigs are like uh, rubber stoppers. You know, you always got to have some ready to go. You know, you gotta, it's like just a necessary part of your, uh, your pocket of tunes. You got to have a whole bunch of jigs to be able to play at any time. Some hey, people are going to end up like, uh, yes. Mark yeah. again. Go ahead. For me, jigs, they're just highly uh, personalizable, if that is a word. You know, it, it, we, we spend most of our life playing marches and stress bays and reels, and you really get criticized if you move a grace note. But it seems this is one of the few idioms where you can really make it your own. Uh, some of these guys at the highest level, obviously, they've been blessed with lightning in their fingers, and they can put whatever, uh, whatever extra stuff in it. But the bottom line, baseline jig underneath it, really, anybody can play. Uh, maybe not that fast, but it's a jig is really what you want to make out of it. And you're really not going to get criticized too bad if you move a grace note or change a doubling or maybe put in a horn pipe triplet or something like that or really what you want to. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I think you're totally right. Um, better with ladies dancing, Billy says. Yes, I am with you on that one. Always. Uh, Mary says, when it comes to jigs, you have to let the fingers go and not overanalyze it. Absolutely. Yeah, totally um, true. You know, to a certain degree, like if you're going to go play a jig in a competition, um, obviously all the technique has to be really good. But what I like, I think jigs are kind of, um, again, it's it's a more relaxed type of competition. I think a judge is going to, well, there's one of two things that's going to be true. Number one, the judge is going to let a few things go maybe and just they want to hear a good jig that makes them tap their foot. Or, on the other hand, maybe they're going to judge it as strictly a technical exercise. 
um, and whoever misses the fewest grace notes, you know, they'll be in the running and so on and so forth. But either way, um, the best thing for you to do as the player is to just let go and relax because, yeah, you might miss some technique and then you'll be out of it. So, you know, you might as well enjoy it or something, if that makes sure. sense. They're, they're definitely the tunes you have fun with, you know, as, as a player. Yeah, and Steven is saying that playing with tempo is great. So starting off slow and increasing it is uh, great. If you listen closely, that's what a lot of these soloists are doing. I think that's what we're going to find Stuart Little does here in this ending uh, MP3. This is, uh, if it's the track I think it is, which I'm pretty sure it is. Um, uh, it's one of the best solo jig tracks, one of my favorite ones, because um, he actually doesn't start too fast. He starts really slow and it's um, very stylized and then it sort of, sort of picks up in excitement. So, so let's end off with this. Um, so thank you very much for joining us this week. And we will, uh, of course, post this up um, in podcast form. But uh, we'll be back on next week with more amazing, um, extremely intellectual bagpipe-related content. So uh, here we go with this. Okay. See you later, everybody.